Welcome to this Frequency Matters podcast. I'm Pat Hindle, and today I'm talking with Dr. Andrew Nuttall, Chief Technology Officer and Co-Founder of Skylo Technologies. This is the world's most ubiquitous non-terrestrial network. Welcome, Andrew. Hi, Patrick. Thanks for having me. So I think Skylo provides 100% coverage across the globe, you know, from space, allowing customers to connect to any part of their business anywhere, anytime. It connects smartphones, wearables, machines, sensors, and devices to digitize and transform the lives and industries and ensure that no one will ever lose coverage. And so I see that you and your co-founders conceived Skylo while you were at Stanford Graduate School in Business, and you have some leading research in the Space Systems Development Laboratory exploring how to connect all these billions of devices in an effective way. So can you tell us about how it evolved and became a company and, you know, what kind of services you provide? Absolutely. And, and so, you know, as you highlighted, you know, I co-founded Skyla with a few other uh, folks and we primarily came from the Stanford Aeronautics and Astronautics Department, as well as the Stanford uh, Business School. And myself coming from the Aeronautics and Astronautics uh, group had a lot of interest and experience in the satellite space. And, you know, as part of this activity that we were working on together, we started looking at things uh, like Internet of Things devices, connected assets, and we really came to appreciate, you know, how the world was coming to demand and want more uh, from data and what you could do with that data. And appreciating that connectivity was one of the big limiters for gaining access to that data. We thought, you know, coming from the space perspective, uh, is there a role that satellites can play in helping to bring connectivity to all these new different assets, whether they're soil moisture sensors or turbine or you know monitoring devices on wind turbines or electrical grids or whatever they may be. And so we started looking at how we could bring connectivity from the satellite uh, space. And so you know any startup is a securitist path. You think you had one idea and it, it evolves and meanders, et cetera. But ultimately where we are today, you know, as you mentioned in the intro, is Skylo is a network service operator. Uh, the exact same way you might think about a Verizon or an AT&T, but perhaps we're a little bit smaller in scale and our base stations come from the sky as opposed to coming from the horizon. And so today, again, we offer a 3GPP NB-IoT service to connect existing cellular devices over satellite for the first time. And again, what you know, you mentioned those devices may be asset trackers on a truck. They may be um, soil moisture sensors in a field, maybe the watch on your wrist or even the phone in your pocket. And, you know, the particular exciting piece for us is that, you know, satellite connectivity and cellular connectivity, neither of these two things are new. They've existed for the last 30 to 40 years. But now for the very first time, we get to take these two disparate ecosystems and smash them together. Uh, and so such that now by gaining access to one ecosystem, you gain access to the other. And I think that's the new and exciting piece here now. Well, you might be smaller than the big guys, but you travel over more distance than they do. That's for sure. That's right. That's right. 70,000 uh, kilometers, actually, we uh, travel right now. Wow. So the 3GPP release 17 supports 5G new radio-based satellite access plus MBIOT and EMTC-based satellite access to address the IoT use cases. Can you tell us about those new capabilities and their implications on the service? And maybe you can define those for us too, just so everybody knows. Yep. So as part of release 17, as you mentioned, there are three different technologies that are being standardized as part of the portfolio of cellular technologies for use over satellite. 
NB-IoT is one technology. It stands for narrowband Internet of Things. Uh, and as you might guess, it is perhaps the uh, narrowest bandwidth communication uh, technology. So this is a technology that you know communicates in kilobits per second. It mobilizes small packets, et cetera. The second one is EMTC. Um, think about this as a slightly enhanced um, bandwidth service. Um, you know, hundreds of kilobits per second, maybe a megabit per second or so. And then finally, 5G new radio. 5G new radio is the primary modem that you're going to see or that you see in all of your 5G uh, handsets, uh, smartphones, et cetera here. And it's meant to be a very high bandwidth um, service. And so, you know, there's two uh, big implications of this. Implication number one is that again, for the very first time, these are cellular technologies being standardized for use over satellite. That is by far the biggest enabler here uh, because it again works to converge those two ecosystems across the range of those three different technologies that you mentioned, now that they're all in the satellite and terrestrial ecosystem, um, we have been very focused on NB-IoT uh, because it represents the most efficient way for us to communicate over satellite with today's infrastructure and connecting to devices, again, that are small form factors that either fit in your pocket or sit on your wrist, et cetera. And so we've been keenly focused on that because ultimately, you know, we think the world is marching towards a paradigm where consumers and enterprises ultimately consume hybrid connectivity, uh, where terrestrial and satellite connectivity is bundled together. And really for that to proliferate, the satellite connectivity has to be offered in a very economically viable way such that it can effectively support the connectivity that you receive today over the terrestrial networks. And so we've been keenly focused on proliferating NB-IoT because we think it's the most robust way from a user experience perspective, uh, as well as from an economics perspective to um, introduce NTN connectivity into the broader existing connectivity landscape that cellular consumers use today. Well, you mentioned hybrid communications. So what are the benefits and use cases in deploying hybrid terrestrial and satellite networks for uh, the dual mode capability? Yeah, so let me, let me just give you an example of what that future may look like here. Uh, and so, you know, I'm a, I'm a customer of Verizon as an example. And I have a phone that has a Verizon SIM card in it. And, you know, when I travel to Europe, as an example, Verizon doesn't have their own coverage there. Um, but I'm able to, you know, have a seamless experience because Verizon has roaming relationships with a variety of different carriers around the globe. And so from a user experience perspective, I have um, one entity who I have a relationship with, which is Verizon. I have one bill plan. I have one set of interactions, but as a user experience, I'm gaining access to all these different networks wherever I travel. And, you know, hybrid networks introduces that same, um, you know, functionality, but now rolls in satellite into that space. And so there may be an organization that uh, manages logistics, and they may put, as an example, AT&T SIM cards into all of their trucks. And as those trucks drive across the U.S., they may connect to those AT&T towers to send their data, but as they leave coverage area, whether they're going into Yosemite or they're going to this patch of a road behind uh, this hill here or whatever that may be, when they lose that connectivity, the same way that my phone tried to roam onto a different network when I was into Europe, 
those assets now have the capability to roam onto Skylo network and send their data over the satellite network. And so it really expands coverage and capability for existing users at no expense when it comes to organizational complexity, um, user experience or otherwise. And so, you know, as a manager of those logistic vehicles, I didn't have to do anything different. I just had my same original plan with AT&T and my device just seamlessly roamed and I experienced a better outcome in which I always had access to my assets. And so hybrid networks get the chance to recreate the roaming functionality that we've come to appreciate today between terrestrial networks, but extend that roaming uh, functionality over into the satellite domain also. So can you tell us about your recent partnership with Soracom to deliver cloud native IoT non-terrestrial network connectivity anywhere? Yeah, so, you know, Soracom is a great example of that, um, you know, functionality coming to life here. And, and so Soracom is an existing service provider today. Uh, they have an existing set of customers in which they provide um, terrestrial cellular services to. And again, those customers may be asset trackers, they may be uh, soil moisture sensors, they may be a variety of different things, but ultimately, you know, they have an engagement with Soracom and they put Soracom SIM cards inside their assets. And now that, that you know, that whole spiel that I just walked through, the, the exciting part is that's not a vision uh, of what could be, it's a vision of, it's a, it's a commentary of what is. And so Soracom is an example of us bringing this idea to reality and actually bringing it to market. And so in the, you know, for folks then who participate in this, who purchase you know, connectivity from Soracom, they're an example now of a hybrid service provider. And so the same way that they have maybe multiple roaming partners, Skylo is one of those partners now. And so consumers who buy connectivity from Soracom, when they lose that terrestrial connectivity, they seamlessly roam onto the satellite network and continue to have connectivity. So continue to have access and I think that's one of the, you know, the big hallmarks of data and connectivity over the next 10 years or so is at least I and I've really come to appreciate that there is a meaningful difference between being connected 90% of the time, 95% of the time, and 100% of the time. It's very hard to build business models that rely on connectivity when they fall through 5% of the time or 10% of the time, et cetera. And so by helping to close that gap, whether it's the enterprise segments and running business models, or even in the consumer segments, when it comes to personal safety, you know, there's only, it only has to happen one time when you're in trouble and you don't have connectivity for that to be an issue, right? The fact yeah. that it happened 99 other times, that's great. <laughs> but the one time that it happens, that's an issue and you got to be able to handle it. Yeah, definitely safety would be number one and like for critical communications and other things like that. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I met with Skylo first at Mobile World Congress this year, earlier in the year, and you're in the Murata booth, I believe. You know, do you partner with them? And what other companies do you partner with, especially the ones that might be familiar to our audience, like Qualcomm and Keysight? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm going to take one step back for a second and build on that a little bit. You know, because I mentioned at the start of the conversation here that Skylo's strategy is to converge two ecosystems, the satellite and the terrestrial ecosystem. And the way that we do that is by eliminating changes in behavior, such that if there are decision points that put you in one camp or the other, then you haven't converged these two industries. And so for us, this ecosystem is a big part around eliminating those decision points and converging these two ecosystems. You know, we touched very briefly on the first part, which was uh, the 3GPP. 
And so the work that the 3GPP has done in terms of standardizing satellite connectivity has been huge because it eliminated that first decision point in terms of what kind of hardware might you need to enable satellite connectivity. But there are many different other decision points past that, from selecting chipsets to selecting modules, to figuring out how you test or certify, to figuring out how you go to market. You know, we touched on a few of these pieces, but from Skyla's perspective, it's very important for us to participate with and enable the same ecosystem of players that works in the cellular space to be the exact same partners that we have in the satellite space. And so we mentioned Keysight as an example. You know, in the cellular ecosystem today, um, uh, device manufacturers and chipset manufacturers, they work with organizations like Keysight to enable, um, you know, testing and validation and so on. And so we thought it was very important for us to also work with this exact same players. And so we work with organizations like Keysight such that they can proliferate Skylo test cases, certification cases, and other reason and other aspects of it. And so you can take that same mentality and apply that to modules and apply that to mobile network operators, virtual mobile network operators and chipsets. And so today we work with the major chipset players like Qualcomm, like Samsung, like Sony, uh, like MediaTek. We work with further downstream, the main module players like Murata, like Quectel. We work with the test equipment manufacturers like Keysight or Rodi. And you know, that train kind of continues to go all in pursuit of if we can just make satellite the default option where no one has to make a decision point that says, well, hey, if I want satellite, I have to also change my behavior to do this. And so if it can be the same technology, the same hardware, the same development process, the same regulatory process, the same go-to-market process. And so continue to buy connectivity from SORCOM or AT&T. I don't want to change that behavior. And so if you can eliminate behavior changes, then for the very first time, you can take this 10 billion connected device terrestrial ecosystem and smack it together with, you know, this 2 million connected device, uh, bi-directional connected device satellite ecosystem uh, and really open up the game for what's possible with satellite. I think that's what impressed me the most when I visited that they said that, you know, your technology works with current chipsets and it's kind of seamless, you know, to the user. So that was a, a very good approach. Yeah, no, I, I think it was it was um, funny. So, you know, NTN has been an evolution. And I think about maybe one or two years ago when we were first talking to some of the main hardware manufacturers uh, in this space, I think the first uh, response we got when we introduced this capability was incredulousness that I don't believe you. I don't believe that the existing modem that's in my device can communicate 70,000 kilometers up and down again over a satellite. I don't believe that that's possible. It's too easy, too easy. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, and, and the, the fun part is, in reality, it is possible. And when you can do that without changing hardware or, or behaviors, then you know wonderful things can happen. And so one thing I really like about IoT technologies is it touches so many different industries and applications. You know, what are some of the more interesting things you've come across that your technology has enabled? So I, I think there's a, a few, and I want to evangelize one piece just very briefly here. Um, and so Skylo uses NB-IoT uh, as the uh, protocol for our network today. And NB-IoT was introduced into the marketplace as a connectivity for IoT devices, which is why it has the name NB-IoT. Um, the interesting thing that we see happening, though, 
is that NB-IoT is taking on a new life when used over satellite. And so there are unique characteristics about satellite that are different to, from terrestrial. But what we see happening right now is NB-IoT being used as the generic form of connectivity over a satellite. And so whether or not that's for things like SMS messages or IoT devices, or even things in the future like voice. Uh, and so I think the first interesting tidbit is, you know, I would evangelize dropping the IoT from NB-IoT when used in the NTN context, because we see it being used over such a, a, a wide purview of different applications. Uh, and so I think that's one exciting piece. And then some of the other, you know, use cases that, you know, I think are interesting or we're seeing a lot of traction or opportunity with, um, you know, I'll take uh, as a as a California native here, I think about some of the uh, wildfire problems that we have. And I think about, you know, the problem statement that organizations like electrical companies have. I think about Pacific Gas and Electric as my electric provider here. And I think about the huge challenge that they have in front of them in terms of managing and monitoring, you know, I have to imagine close to 100,000 kilometers worth of electrical lines across the state. And by being able to offer a ubiquitous, low-cost hybrid solution to these folks, they get the opportunity to actually meaningfully connect these uh, assets. Because previously, you know, it's very hard to manage, hey, this 10-kilometer segment of line is out of cellular coverage, and so therefore, we need to have satellite connectivity, or this segment is in coverage and we need to do this. By offering just one solution, you can eliminate that uh, that operational complexity and make it much more tractable to actually connect, um, you know, assets that are at that scale and at this, um, you know, differences between what connectivity is available to them. Uh, and so we see a huge uptake in the IoT spaces in general, whether it's logistics, agriculture, grid monitoring, et cetera. Um, I think the most surprising one to me, though, has been the consumer lean-in also, though, on NB-IoT. And again, whether it's for SMS or emergency services or text or location sharing, I think what you're going to see is the consumer segments being the tip of the spear to introduce NTN, uh, but then a, a huge groundswell of activity following that from the enterprise and the IoT segments. So I think, you know, one thing we definitely heard a lot about this year was NTN, but the other one we heard about was REDCap, the reduced capability by this release. Does that play into this? How does that compare to MBIOT? Yeah. So REDCap, generally speaking, is uh, a set of capabilities that I would say is a bit enhanced above NBIOT. Across the portfolio of 3GPP technologies, NBIOT is probably the most uh, conservative or restrictive. It's the narrowest bandwidth, the most limited set of capabilities. And, you know, there are pros and cons to that. You know, one of the reasons why it's so well suited for satellite is because it was designed as an example for a very low power, um, difficult to communicate environments, which is why it's taken off here. Um, REDCap represents an enhanced level of capability above NB-IoT, but as you might guess, a reduced, uh, red being for reduced, a reduced set of capabilities uh, compared to uh, 5GNR. I think overall across the NTN ecosystem, you're seeing a little bit of turbulence yet. You're seeing um, um, a plurality of different strategies being undertaken by operators in the space. Uh, you're seeing a fair bit of different technologies that are being considered and used, whether it's actually incumbent 4G technologies, 5GNR, EMTC, NB-IoT, and absolutely, you can throw a red cap into the mix here. 
Uh, and so I think you're seeing a little bit of turbulence in the environment. I think that's starting to settle down now as you know actual commercial deployments get more traction and and folks come to appreciate what works and what doesn't work. Uh, but from our perspective, you know, the ball that we have our eyes on here is ultimately what is going to offer the most economically efficient solution to deliver a satellite as a supporting character as part of a broader hybrid service offering in the context of mobile, handheld, wearable, and uh, you know, small form factor IoT devices. And for us, that's why we've been keenly focused on NB-IoT. You know, I can't profess to, to know the future. And as I mentioned, there's a lot of movement in the space. I think REDCap will continue to be part of the discussion. Um, but ultimately, I do think you're going to see the industry converge towards a set of narrower band capabilities than more broadband. And whether or not that lands exactly at NB-IoT or it lands at REDCap, um, I think you're going to see it land a little bit more towards the narrowband side than the broadband side, especially for the next you know, five, six years, et cetera. Well, you said you don't like to predict the future, but I always like to ask, you know, what do you see as the future of growth and, you know, what are things you see taking off being able by NTN? Yeah, so I, I think kind of the first major area of growth is just access to the technology. I see that, you know, changing relatively quickly. And so Skylo is an organization that, you know, wears two hats. We're a network operator and we're a technology developer. And, you know, if I think about the waterfall of activities that enables wireless connectivity, almost all of that starts on the chipset manufacturing side. And so, as I mentioned, Skyla works very closely with most of the major chipset players. And at this point in time, I think all of them, you know, have publicly communicated, announced their investments in the NTN space. And I think that's a very compelling um, uh, data point here about speaking about what accessibility may look like in the coming year or so, uh, because now at the top of the waterfall, Every major chipset manufacturer is investing in this space. And then, you know, if you have 10 chipset manufacturers, you've enabled 30 module manufacturers, and then you've enabled 10,000 different device manufacturers. And so I think the first prediction that I'll, I'll make is, you know, as part of this being standardized and being implemented in all of these chipsets, you're going to start to see a much broader accessibility to this technology being built into devices. You know, I think in a year's time, you're going to see most major tier one handsets having end, end capabilities. And in a year's time, you're going to see some of the next generations of IoT devices also having this capability built in. And you're going to continue to see that supporting from, um, you know, from a network perspective as networks continue to roll out, expand, et cetera. So I think the first prediction is you're going to see significantly increased access. And I think consumers are going to have this in their hands, you know, very ubiquitously in under a year's time, which I think is a pretty exciting piece. And then I think you're going to continue to see um, consolidation of strategy across the ecosystem. You know, as I mentioned, across spectrum strategy, technology strategy, infrastructure strategy, there's about 10 different approaches that are underway right now. I do think you'll see a consolidation in that space as folks start to align behind what's working and what's not working well. Well, great. Thank you very much, Andrew, for talking with me today about non-terrestrial networks and Skylo. It's definitely a growing area that we'll keep an eye on for the years to come, as you say. To our listeners, you can find more podcasts at podcast.microwavejournal.com. Thanks for listening.